Well, it is good to be back with you, and thank you so much for the opportunities to share with you about our ministry and what we're doing. Um, we ask you to pray for us as we go, and we mean that sincerely. We, we need your prayers, uh, especially in several uh, ways. Number one is our safety. Uh, we get into a lot of situations and go to a lot of countries where it's very dangerous, and we get into situations sometimes where uh, the only way we're going to get out of it is with God's help. And uh, we faced uh, those many different times around the world. And so we need your prayers, uh, first of all, for safety. And secondly, uh, for health. Uh, we're going so much uh, that, uh, honestly, we just don't have time to be sick. <laughs> but we get sick. And, uh, in fact, uh, I picked up something in Cuba. And by the time we got home Friday, I was coughing pretty bad and feeling pretty bad. Had scheduled last Sunday to be in two different churches. And uh, Saturday, I guess Sunday morning, I guess it would be about 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, it hit and I was done. And uh, 6 o'clock that morning I was calling pastors and canceling. I, I haven't done that in years. It's been a long time since I've had to do that. And uh, so I've still got a little bit of a cough. And so if I stop and cough a little bit during the message, you'll understand why. I'm not contagious. I didn't bring back any uh, strange germs from Cuba that I'm going to give you, Okay. But uh, it's just something that uh, is just kind of lingering a little bit, but, but we'll get through it. So pray for us in that respect, if you will. Uh, God has been good in some areas. We, I'm, for the most part, very healthy. Uh, my mother uh, died of a heart attack at 47. Uh, my cousin, who's two years younger than me and our pastor, had a heart attack two years ago. And there's other instances of heart problems in our family. And so everybody's been after me, man, get your heart checked, get your heart checked. You're going to die, you know, get your heart checked as much as you go. And so I did this last, the first part of the year. I went in, had a, uh, what do they call a, a, a CT cardiac scoring, where they take a picture of your heart and they look at everything. And I, my score was zero. No That's heart. the best, yeah, exactly it. <laughs> no heart whatsoever. <laughs> Uh, they said, no, that's actually the absolutely best score you can get. There's no blockage in my heart. There's no, uh, 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 what do they call it, uh, that build-up plaque. There you go, plaque. Uh, said, my heart is totally clean. I don't know if that's really true or not. I'm pretty deceptive in a lot of ways, you know. But uh, they said, everything's good. And in other areas, uh, my health is very good. Uh, it's just sometimes we get in places where we're exposed to a lot of people and we pick up you know, just uh, stuff that we have to work through every now and then. So pray for us in that, if you will. Take your Bibles, please, this morning, and turn to Galatians chapter 2 at verse 20. Uh, this is probably my favorite verse in the Bible. And um, uh, I chose this as my life's verse, probably changed to this uh, sometime right before uh, we started Now Ministries back probably in the late 90s. I had a different life's verse before this, but... Uh, this verse just really stuck out to me one day, and I took it as my life's verse. And I believe in this verse we find what I'm going to speak on today, the key to the Christian life, what it's really all about. What is the Christian? How do you really live a life for Christ? How do you live a life that's pleasing to Him? How do you live a life that exemplifies Christ and in turn draws other people to Him? It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about who we are. It's not about what we can do in ourselves, but it's all about Christ. And this verse really exemplifies, I believe, the key to the Christian life. Galatians 2.20 simply says this. 
I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I want you to really understand what that's all about today and how you can have a life that exemplifies and glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ and through that draws more people to him. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we sure do thank you for the opportunity to be here today and to share the word of God with these people. Lord, may what is said today, what comes from your word, may it encourage us, may it challenge us. Lord, may we learn from it. And then, Lord, may we apply it to our life so that as we leave this place, we're more able and better able to serve you and to please you with all that we do. And we give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, no one can live the Christian life uh, in their own strength. It's just absolutely impossible. But it seems like so many times that's exactly what we as Christians try to do. Uh, we, we go to seminars and we read books and we look things up on the Internet and we're always looking for this direction and that direction to this person or that person or this special speaker. Uh, we're doing some kind of, uh, uh, of some type of spiritual exercise or whatever. And our whole goal is to be able to live the Christian life, but we're trying to do it in our own strength and in our own ability. And the Bible says that's just absolutely impossible. There is a key that will help us to live the life that we should, and the key to the Christian life is simply to allow Christ to live through us. Not us just simply trying to make up to what He is and trying to, uh, to, to put ourselves up to where He is or trying to live up to a standard that we've set ourselves or the church has set or some pastor said, but simply letting Christ live through us on a daily basis. The truth can revolutionize your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want us, first of all, to see the condition we were in before we were saved. I'm assuming that most people here today have already accepted Christ as their Savior. You know that you're on your way to heaven. You know that you're a Christian, but maybe there's someone here that's not. And this is the condition that you're in, or this is the condition that you were in before you received Christ. First of all, our sin separated us from God. We were totally separated from God. The Bible says we were born in sin. It is our nature to do what is wrong. And sin separates us from the very presence of God. Sin cannot enter His sight. Sin cannot enter into heaven. And because of our sin, we are blocked from heaven. And the Bible says that we were sinners from the very beginning. We were sinners by nature. Our sin separated us from God. But secondly, we see before salvation... We were dead spiritually and under God's wrath. It tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, And you hath he quickened who were dead in, the trespass, in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past we walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And so before our salvation, before we came to Christ, we were spiritually dead. We had no spiritual discernment. We had no way to approach God. We had no way to make ourselves better. We had no way to deal with the sin in our life. 
We had no way to deal with the different uh, 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 problems and difficulties and things that we faced in our life on a daily basis because we were dead spiritually. And not only that, we were under the wrath of God. We faced a spiritual and a second death. We faced in our life separation from God for all of eternity. The penalty for sin is death, for the wages of sin is death. For our salvation, every one of us faced that. That's where we were headed. We were doomed for all of eternity. And except for our prayer of repentance, the Lord at that time would never even hear our prayers or our petitions. The Bible says in Ephesians, or excuse me, in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. So we could cry out to God and say, Oh, Lord, make me a better person. Oh, Lord, save me from this situation, and I'll live a better life. Oh, Lord, do this or do that. And God didn't hear those prayers. The only prayer that God hears from a sinner is when they repent and accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. So before we were saved, we were dead spiritually. We were under the wrath of God. Our sins separated us from God himself, and God did not even hear our prayer. But then there came a time in your life when you heard the gospel and the Holy Spirit began to work in your life and you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now, what happened or transpired at that time that you received Christ as your Savior? Well, the first thing is the Holy Spirit convicted you of your sin and convicted you of your need for, for God and His forgiveness in your life. In John chapter 16, verses 7 and 8, it tells us, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go away, the Comforter will come, will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Verse 8, it says, And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And so the Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit must be the one that draws someone or convicts someone of their sin and draws them to himself. And there came a time and a point in your life when you realized you were a sinner. Maybe you heard the preaching at a church like this or maybe it's a friend of yours on the job began to witness to you or perhaps you read a track or perhaps you saw a movie or a video on television or some other place and somehow the Holy Spirit began to expose you to the gospel and you began to realize your sin condition and that was the Holy Spirit working in your life and convicting you and bringing you to the place where you knew you needed to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And then after that, we realize that we have to confess our sins. And we have to agree with God that we have disobeyed Him, that we were living in sin and we were spiritually dead. And now through Christ, we can be alive in Him. And we can be made whole and we can be born again through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we come to the place where we confess our sins to Him. And then we ask Him into our life to save us. We trust Jesus Christ. His death on the cross, His death, burial, and resurrection uh, for the forgiveness of our sin and for that new life we have in Him. The Bible tells us that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's why we ask people to pray and to accept Christ in your heart. It's not just enough to believe it. It's not just enough to say, well, I know about it. I know what Christ did. No, the Bible says you come to the place where you confess that you are a sinner and you're sorry for your sin. And you come to the place where you confess and say, Lord, I ask you to come into my life and to save me. He wants you to say that. He wants to hear those words from you.
And there came a point in time in your life, if you've been saved, that you did that and you accepted Christ in your life. Now at that moment, there's repentance or a turning away of sin in your life. Your lifestyle changes and your heart changes and your direction changes. Your motives change. Your whole demeanor changes. And that's the real evidence that salvation has come into your life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says it this way. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And so someone that receives Christ as their Savior, the real evidence of that is the fact that their life has changed. They're a different person. Uh, we've seen this happen many, many different times. We could give testimony of it throughout the years. You've seen somebody come that was a drunkard and somebody that had given their life to alcohol and their life was being wasted and they come to Jesus Christ and Jesus transforms their life and takes away the desire to drink and makes them a whole brand new person and changes not only their life but changes their family's life and everything is different around them. I've seen it happen in the lives of men who could not hardly say two words without saying a curse word and would curse God's name and take God's name in vain on a repeated uh, basis and it seemed like every other uh, time you talked to them and they had something terrible to say about the church or the pastor and somehow God gets a hold of their life and God grips them and God shows them their, uh, their need of a Savior and they come and they receive Christ as their Savior and their mouth all of a sudden is different and they're no longer do they take God's name in vain. They no longer have that coarse language, but they become sweet and kind. Uh, several years ago, uh, I ran into a, a gentleman. Uh, he was in our church. and uh, Well, I say he was in our church. His family was in our church. And his family had asked me several times to go witness to him. His name was Bobby Rutledge. Bobby Rutledge was known as the meanest man in North Charlotte. Now, you don't know anything about Charlotte, but if you knew Charlotte, you'd know that saying a whole lot. North Charlotte's where all the drug deals go down. That's where all the gangs live. That's where the, I mean, the meanest people in Charlotte live is in North Charlotte. And he was known as the meanest man in North Charlotte. They said he'd fight you for any reason. He'd cut you. He'd hurt you. He'd swear at you. He'd curse you. I mean, he was just a mean, terrible guy. His family was in our church. His son and daughter attended our church. And they were concerned about him. They wanted to be saved. So they asked me to go visit him. And I did. And he wouldn't listen to me. He cut me off. I mean, sometimes I go, and at least people are not kind and nice to you, you know. This guy wasn't even nice. I mean, he cursed at me and wouldn't listen to me and had nothing, nothing to do with the Bible, nothing to do with the church. But God got a hold of his heart. Now, sometimes God has a way of getting a hold of people different than others. Some people, it's just because they come to church and God convicts them and they see their need and they come to, to the Savior. Sometimes God has to shake people a little bit. He has to get a hold of them physically and do something that gets their attention. That's what he did to Bobby Rutledge. One Saturday night, Bobby Rutledge at home had an aneurysm. A blood vessel in his brain burst. They rushed him to the hospital, and he clung between life and death for several days. And I went to see Bobby Rutledge in the hospital after several days, and they were able to stabilize him. They were able to go in and do surgery, and they were able to repair that blood vessel. But it did cause a lot of damage. His eyesight was damaged quite heavily, and some other of his... Uh, Facility, his uh, capacity was damaged. But I witnessed Bobby Rutledge, and God got his attention. Bobby Rutledge accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. As soon as Bobby Rutledge got out of the hospital, he started coming to church. Now, this rough, mean, crude, wicked man who would fight anybody for any reason became one of the sweetest guys in our church. The kids loved him. He carried pockets full of candy. And he'd give the candy out to the kids. And he had the sweetest things to say. I mean, he just became one of the 
nicest guy. Now, who did that? God did. That's what happened to you. And that's the evidence of salvation. When God comes into your life, he transforms you. He changes you. He makes a different life. Now, it doesn't mean that we'll never sin again. In fact, the Bible tells us that once we're saved, our guilt's washed away and our, we are assured of, of eternal life, but we still have two problems. One of them is our world is full of rebellion and, obe- and disobedience, corruption and wickedness. It's all around us and it tempts us every day and the temptation is there and Satan's throwing things at us to try to keep us from doing what God wants us to do. The second thing is the Bible tells us that we still have the old flesh. We still have the old nature. The old nature doesn't just automatically go away. Now, wouldn't it be wonderful if it did? Oh, man, life would be so much easier, wouldn't it? We struggle. You know, you struggle every day. I struggle every day. Why? Because we have the old flesh. And Paul said it over in Romans. He said, man, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I I end up doing them. (coughs) Why? Because we have the old man. We have the old flesh. We have that old nature that still wants to war against what is good and what is right. So that's what happens at the point of salvation. Now, after you get saved, what is it that God then wants you to do? What is it that God gives you to help you live a life that's pleasing to Him? You were wicked. You were in sin. At the age of six years old, I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. Man, I was wicked and vile and terrible and on the road to hell. Six years old, I came to Jesus. You say, well, that sounds kind of funny as a six-year-old boy, but yeah, I was just as deserving of hell as anybody else in this room without Christ. Jesus changed my life. Jesus came in and did something to me. So what is it that God gives you? What is it that God does for you after you get saved to help you live the Christian life? Well, first of all, Jesus comes into our life to live through us. He wants to live a part of our life. He wants to be a part of what we are and live and help us fight that old nature. John chapter 17, verses 22 and 23, it says this, and the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou lovest me. Jesus said, listen, Lord, the whole God, he was talking about the Father and how that God wants to live through you and how I'm going to now live in you and be a part of you and help you and guide you in your life and help you make the right decisions and the right choices day by day, every day. You're buffeted by that old flesh and by sin and by the devil and by the world and the temptations all around you. But Jesus living through you can help you make the right choices and walk in the right path and learn to stay away from the temptation. Learn how to fight the sin and destruction in your life. Now, we die to our old lives, and we are raised to new life in Jesus Christ. This is one reason why Scripture refers to salvation as being born again. You're not the same person anymore. The old life is gone. It's passed away, and now there's new life in Jesus Christ. The only problem is that old life keeps wanting to come back to life. It wants to keep resurrecting. We have to keep killing it. We have to keep dying to that old life, that old flesh, on a daily basis. Now, at the moment of conversion, the Holy Spirit comes in to reside within you. When you rely on Him, you rely on the Lord Jesus Christ, He helps us to think, to act, 
and to react as Jesus would in our place. The whole idea is to come to a place where it's not me that's trying to do the living. It's not me that's trying to do good. It's not my flesh that's trying to fight against Satan and fight against temptation. But it's the Lord Jesus Christ living through me that guides me and directs my thinking and directs my thoughts and directs my actions so that I become more and more like him. Now, the only way I can do that is found in Galatians 2.20. And it says it in the very first word. I am crucified with Christ. The only way I can live the Christian life is when I crucify the old flesh and I die daily to that old desire and that old man and I live fully and wholly trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ to live through me and do through me what I cannot do for myself. You know, so many times we try to live the Christian life in our flesh. We try to live the Christian life by something we've heard on television or something we heard from some preacher. We try to uh, apply some magical formula to our life to help us to live the right way. Or we claim some verse that maybe if we just will say that verse, it'll, just, it'll all, of a sudden, all of a sudden make all the temptation disappear and then we can just do the right thing. But it's really not that simple. You see, it's a daily, a daily dying to self Dying to the old nature, dying to the old flesh. Every morning I get up, it's Lord, flesh is dead. And now live through me and help me live for you and do what I should do. Colossians 3, verses 1 through 5 says it this way. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life Excuse me, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. <coughs> when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members, which are upon the earth, fornication and cleanness, inordinate affections, evil uh, communications, corruptness, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Take care of it. Get rid of those things. Put those out of your mind, and set your affection on the things of God. Die to yourself, it says. And again, in Philippians 1 verse 21, Paul said it this way. For to me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. I live for him on a daily basis. Every morning, we should commit ourselves to God and ask him to live through us that day. We will not experience temptation. or We will still experience temptation and adversity, but we know it's not necessary to face those things in our own strength. It's not me trying to fight the battle, but it's God fighting the battle through me. You see, Jesus came to give you the power and the strength. Jesus came and lives within you to give you what you need to fight that battle. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, but ye shall receive power. And through the Holy Spirit, we have power in our life day by day to fight that temptation, to fight uh, those uh, things around us, to fight the world and the devil, and to die to that old self and that old man. He accomplishes his work here on the earth by living through us. And we will never be, we will never be perfect, but we should strive according to his power and not our own. It's not about who I am or what I can accomplish or what I can do. It's about what Jesus Christ can do through me. And when I learn to live in such a way that Christ lives through me, and it's not just me, 
Oh, how much more Jesus will be glorified. Now, how then can I allow Christ to live through? All right, this is the real crux of the message, all right? This is the key right here. This is putting it all together. Uh, Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. How can I do that on a daily basis? This is it right here. Number one, admit your faith. Admit you can't do it. In my strength, in my flesh, I'll never accomplish this. Acknowledge that you have tried to live the Christian life and you've been unsuccessful. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That means probably every day you're going to claim that verse. And there'll be opportunities that you'll fall and you'll fail and you'll come short. You'll say, Lord, please forgive me. Please live through me. Lord, help me die to the self. Help me die to the old man. Lord, use me. And the more we do it, the more comfortable we become with it, the more God can fill us with His power and His strength to do and to live for Him. Secondly then, confess your inadequacy. It's not me. Realize that you cannot achieve spiritual victory on your own. John 15, 5 tells us this way, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him the same, bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. I can't do it without you, Christ. If I try to do it in my flesh, if I try to do it by myself, I'll fail every time. If I rely on my personality, if I rely on my uh, uh, own self, I'll fall short. God, I realize I cannot do it except through you. Third, acknowledge that Christ is sufficient. He's the one that gives me the strength and the power. Since he is God, he has the ability to meet all your needs. Philippians 3.13 or 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I can do it through him and with God's help. And then abandon your life to him. Let go of your own efforts to be a good Christian or do enough to please God and simply rely on his strength and his power working through you in your life. And then last, confess it to be true. In other words, simply pray. Just like you pray to accept Christ as your Savior, pray out loud and ask God to help you. Lord, please live your life through me. I surrender your, your, your will and I yield myself to you. I give it to you. You know, just like accepting Christ as your Savior is a conscious decision. You don't get it by osmosis. You don't get it because your family's saved. You don't get saved because you come to church every Sunday. Salvation is not something that just kind of happens somewhere and you don't remember where it happened. No, there was a day and a time when you made a conscious decision receive Christ as your Savior. Living the Christian life is the same. It's a daily conscious decision to let Christ live through me and not rely on my flesh or myself but rely totally upon Him. Now if I go a day without relying on God asking Him to help me and consciously praying and asking God to live through me I'll fail that day and I do it quite often but if I'll start my day consciously saying Lord I can't do it I'll, I'll make a mistake I'll fail I'll sin I'll do something I shouldn't do Lord I need you today live through me crucify my old flesh 
put it aside. Let me die to those desires and those old ways of living. And Lord, help me live through you today as you would have me to live. If we'll consciously, day by day, do that, that's the key to really living the Christian life. Now, who's in charge of your life? Is it the Lord Jesus Christ? Or is it you? Have you come to the place where you really want Christ to live through you and to be a blessing to others and be a, a pleasing to him in his sight? Through your life, being able to draw others to Jesus Christ and lead them to the place where they can accept him as well? Or is your life, even though you're saved, still one of selfishness? I'll do it my own way. I'll, I'll, I'll fight sin a little bit and I'll grant a few little victories maybe in myself, but, you know, it, in other words, I'm not really living the way I should. And my life is constantly defeated. And I'm frustrated. And I just don't know what to do. Why don't you just turn your life over to Christ? And in His power, through His direction, His guidance in your heart and life, let Him take control and let Him live through you. Boy, it'll take away a lot of the burdens and the heartaches. It'll take away a lot of the pressures in life. But I guarantee you, God will give you the peace. He'll give you a joy like you've never known before if you simply let him live through you. Now, maybe you're here this morning, you say, you know, I, I don't know what you're talking about because I've never accepted Christ as my Savior. I need to be saved. I sure would love you to do that today. I'd love for you to accept Christ. I told you how the fact the Bible says we're all sinners. There's not a one of us that have done good. The Bible says because of our sin, there's a penalty. And the penalty for sin is death. Death is separation from God. When this body dies, the soul that lives on the inside is separated from the body. And that soul goes into eternity. Without Christ, that soul will be cast into hell and separated from God for all of eternity. That's the price of our sin. That's the second death. God says we must face that. God said, listen, I love you so much. I love you so much. I don't want you to go to hell. I want you to come to heaven where I am, but I can't let sin get into heaven. And so God said, I've got a son. My only begotten son, his name is Jesus. Jesus was willing to come to this earth. He lived a perfect life, never did one thing wrong, was not a sinner. He went to the cross, and because he was perfect, he shed his blood for you and me. Jesus took our sin on himself. In fact, the Bible says when Jesus took our sin on, his, on himself that from heaven, his own father turned his back on his own son. And for the first time in eternity, Jesus and God were separated. Jesus suffered my death. He suffered my penalty. He suffered my hell for me. And the same he did for you. The Bible says if you're willing to believe what he did for you on the cross and accept it as a payment and forgiveness of your sin and you will call out to him to ask, you to, ask him to save you, he said he'll do that. And he'll give to you eternal life. He'll wash your sin away. He'll give you a new life in him. One day you'll have a home in heaven waiting. If you're not saved, I want you to do that today. And this will be the start and the beginning of your ability to live a life in Jesus Christ, letting him live through you instead of trying to live your life the way you want and have the frustrations and the heartaches and the struggles that you can live through Jesus Christ, the joy and the peace that only he can give. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. <clears throat> if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, I want you to be saved right now. I want you to accept Christ in your heart. So here's what I'm going to do. You've heard the gospel as it's been preached. 
The fact that you understand you're a sinner and you're sorry for your sin. You understand that the penalty for your sin is death. Without Christ, you'll go to hell and spend eternity. But you also understand that God loves you and Jesus died on the cross for you. And right now, you want to accept what Christ did for you and you want to pray and ask Christ into your life and into your heart to forgive you and give you a new life in Him. If you'd like to do that right now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Now, the prayer does not save you. The prayer simply expresses what you believe in your heart, the fact that you're accepting Christ. If you'd like to do that, I want you to do it right now. And This is the prayer. Just pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sin. I believe that you died on the cross, that your blood was shed to forgive me of all my sin. I believe that you were buried, that you rose again the third day. Now forgive me and save me. Come into my life. Give me new life in you and a home in heaven when I die. In Jesus' name. Heads about eyes are closed. If you just prayed that prayer, and you meant it with all your heart, you accepted Christ as your Savior just now, would you lift your hand, anyone like that this morning? I just prayed that prayer. Thank you so much. I see one. Is there anyone else, Brother Marshall? I prayed that prayer this morning, and I received Christ as my Savior. I did exactly what you said according to the Bible. And I did that this morning. Would anyone else this morning, would you lift your hand? All right, here's what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to have the pastor to come, and he's going to lead what we call an invitation. You that come here all the time, you know. But if you just receive Christ as your Savior, here's what I want you to do. This is very, very important, all right? Christ just saved you. He gave you a new life. But we want to help you. Now, to go from here without any help, to go from here not telling anyone, you're doing yourself a disservice because it's going to, you're going to struggle and it's going to be hard. Satan's going to tempt you and Satan's going to tell you you didn't do that, you didn't get saved. I want you to come and let somebody help you and give you some instruction so when you leave here, you can leave in victory, knowing what you did was the right thing, that God is helping you to do what is right. And so in just a minute, pastor's going to come, he's going to have everybody stand, and they're going to sing a song, and as soon as that song starts, I mean the very first note of that song, I want you to step out of your place and just come to the front. The pastor or someone here that pastor's appointed will meet you and privately will help you and show you from the scriptures exactly what you did and help you beyond that point. Now, Christians, if you're here and you've been struggling in your Christian life, and man, you just, day by day, you're just having a hard time doing what's right. You heard the key this morning. Why don't you come and just claim in your life Galatians 2.20 and let God live through you and learn to die to that old self. Dear Lord, I pray that you'll bless in this invitation time. May many people come and respond as God spoke to their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor, would you come?